That sound is so soothing. I feel like I'm sitting beside a fireplace snuggled up with a book, while the air is full of the aroma from my favorite candle. Welp, I guess I better snap out of it as I'm actually sitting in my office making sure these bills are paid. This coconut wax candle sure does transport you to a space of mental relaxation. These uniquely blended scents and these individually hand-poured candles never seem to irritate my allergies. I can't wait to set the mood tonight and soak in a bubble bath full of self-love. What have you done for yourself lately? Treat yourself or someone else to a toxic-free candle from Kahana Candles. Relax, you won't regret it. Candles are available at www.kahanacandles.com and ship nationwide. That's Kahana, K-A-H-A-N-A, candles with a K, dot com. Hey loves, I want to welcome you to Candid Conversations with me, Tania. This podcast is about exploring the thoughts that swirl around in my mind, having candid conversations with others, and sometimes I may read some original poetry or a blog I've written. I hope the content of each episode touches you in some way. Happy listening. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. On this episode, we have a guest. Her name is Arvilla Beckworth, and she's such an amazing human being. Can you tell the people a little about yourself? Hey, girl, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Isn't her voice so soothing? <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely trying to change that. I've been hearing that. It's like, your voice is so soothing on your don't, podcast. Don't ever change it. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite parts about your podcast. It's so soothing. I listen oh. to your podcast in the mornings. It's, it's oh great. I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna keep it then. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Arvilla Beckworth. Um, I'm a podcast host of A Second Chance at Live. Plus, I'm also an accountability strategist. And what that is, it's a life coach, personal trainer, and basically your therapist wrapped up in one. But I hold single women accountable to seeing a better version of themselves. Sometimes when you get hit by a situation, it's hard to see the light that's in front of you. So my job is to make sure that even though you might got hit with being becoming a single parent, guess what? you can still keep going. It's a minor setback, but we can put things in place for you to keep moving and doing what you have to do. So that's me kind of in a nutshell. I love that. And you don't even know what today's topic is, but that's so on point. So as always, today's guest does not know the topic we'll be discussing so that we can keep the conversation real and raw or as real and raw as possible. So with that being said, Arvilla, are you ready for today's topic? I'm ready. (laughs) All right, so imagine a drum roll in your head because I sound crazy when I make the actual drum roll sound. <laughs> Y'all can her, but she's like doing a drum roll. <laughs> so today's topic is toxic relationships. Oh, okay. Right, exciting topic. You, I don't know why, but when we agreed to do this, I was that was the first thought that popped into my brain. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be an amazing conversation. Oh, yes. Yes. We all know a thing or two about toxic relationships. So yeah, this should roll out pretty good. Yes. So what's the first thought that popped in your head when I said toxic relationships? I've been in one. Very Matter of fact, my first real relationship was topic, toxic. And it was a taste that I do not want to do again. It almost stopped me from loving again. 
Mm. And it's, it's the, it's the part that when it's your first love, you want it to be somebody that you give your all to, you're vulnerable to, you show who you think, who you are. And that person steps on your heart and you come to find out that they're not even good for you either. Their brokenness is stopping you from growing. So at the time I was young, I didn't see it. I'm this young love right out of high school. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm moving out on my own. You know, I can't wait to do this. But as time progressed, progressed seven years later, toxic was at its full capacity where I ended up in a domestic violence relationship. And it got to a point that I started to lose myself in the process. And I'm like, you know what? This is too much for me. I have to remove myself. And in trying to remove myself, it's like he almost tried to stop me because it's like, okay, now she knows who she is. So it's like, I can't let her leave. He tried everything in the world. Oh, I'm sorry. I love you. I won't do it again. But it came that every time it just popped back up. So it's like, I got to go. Because if I don't go, I'm going to die here. So that was my first experience with a toxic relationship. Your first. So you yeah. had more than one. Well, actually, this, this is probably the one and only. Because okay. after then, I learned my lesson. You know, mm-hmm. like when you burn yourself on the stove, you know not to touch that hot stove again. You're like, you know what? Uh I'm gonna have to get some oven mints on this one. You know, you learn your lesson the first time. So when I seen it, and I think because I was in it for so long, the next time I got in my next relationship, I was real skeptical. It's like, you know, I can't do toxic. I'm barely trying to rebuild myself back up. I can't take on another human being that's either toxic or not hold themselves. So it took me a minute to really get to build myself up and learn who I was. So for me, yeah, I could say that was probably my first and only relationship that was toxic. After then, I made a conscious choice to not to get back in that situation. So, so when you were building yourself, I'm like going off topic of all because as as you're talking, you I'm like all these questions are popping up in my head. Let's so, be candid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so as you were building yourself up, were you doing that just by yourself? Did you have the help of family? Were you still dating and still building yourself up, or did you just say, "No, I'm taking this time for me"? During that time, I had to take the time for me because one, I had a young daughter. So during the seven years of in this abusive relationship, she was watching. So it kind of put put me in a spot like your daughter's watching. You can't continue to let her see that. So once I finally moved out, I had to remove myself from everything and everybody to rebuild myself back up because I was one, still embarrassed and two, still trying to heal myself. But I knew if I had everybody else's say so and noise in my ears, I wasn't going to heal. It was going to be what they thought I should heal. And why did I stay in so long? And I didn't need that negativity. I needed a support system that was going to be, okay, we seen you went through something. How can we help you? But I think I was so afraid of what they was going to say. I just kept to myself. But along my journey, it was more of personal personal development books, journals, and I eventually uh, seek sought out a therapist because I got to the point where I was still stuck in that spot. I still had triggers. Certain things got me triggered. Certain things made me cry. And that's when I knew my power within myself wasn't helping me to heal properly. So when I got a therapist, we worked on it for a while. It wasn't an overnight process because I was in it for seven years. So it was an ongoing journey. I had to trust and believe that I was worthy. Even though I was knocked down, I had to believe that I could do it again. You know, so it was like believing in myself again, believing in my self-esteem, trying to identify these triggers. Plus, when I was strong enough to work with the therapist, I moved to a support group with other women that were kind of going through the same thing. 
So once I got the support group going, now I have other women that weren't judgmental because they were going through the same thing. It was easier to let my guard down and be open with them during my healing process. So it did take a moment. Like I said, I, I was just embarrassed from what I was going through. And I was kind of that girl that everybody's like, wow, that happened to you, you know? So it was like, I was kind of trying to hide that persona and put on the mask that everything was okay. In all actuality, it wasn't. So I had to do my own individual healing on my own. So how did you, you talked about how uh, you didn't want to hear all the noise from everyone. How did you figure out the people that you wanted in your circle that you wouldn't filter out that noise, I guess? Like the people that were genuinely there to help you. You know, I think with some when when they finally came to me and I still didn't say that I was in a relationship, they knew, they seen it. And I could probably say one, for instance, my mom, a mom always knows. She knows her child. She knows when they're hurting. She knows when they fail. Even when you never say nothing, she, she knows. And I believe my mom knew the whole time she was just trying to step back and let me see it for myself. And I knew when she was talking to me, she wasn't attacking me. She was just talking to me in a loving way that I needed to be talked to. So I knew that I could let my guard down and tell her what was going on and everything else. But then I had the people that was just nosy and just wanted to know what was going on with my business. So I knew I kind of felt that vibe as well. I'm like, they're asking way too many questions. You know, they're asking in a way that I knew that wasn't going to be beneficial to me. So I knew to let them people go. But the people that really meant something to me, that really wanted to me to be successful and succeed is the ones that in my heart, I knew that they have my best interest at heart. So I love that. Who are you speaking to my soul right now? (laughs) (laughs) So how would you define a toxic relationship? Like what makes a relationship toxic? When you think about it, a relationship is not always a man and a woman. It could be your job. It could be a boss. It could be someone you go to school with. It could be anybody that you have some type of relationship, working, business, someone you deal with on a day-to-day or even just majority of your time is being dealt with this person. But it's a, for me, a toxic relationship is something that is unhealthy for you. If I can't be with you, if I can't work with you without you degrading me, uh, talking bad about me, making me feel less than, and I know that you only need me when it's beneficial to you, I know I got to remove you. I mean, I've had a boss like that, that was this toxic, no matter what I did, was always on me, on me, on me. And I'm like, I can't work in this environment. I mean, to have a boss, I know I got to get a paycheck, but I can't keep letting someone just ride me for no reason. And you know, when it's toxic, when you go home and you're dreaming about the job, you're crying, you don't want to go back in, just certain signs really start to weigh on my heart. Like this is not good. This is not beneficial. So how do you find your power in that situation? It takes a minute. I'm not going to come on here and say like, oh, I found it and got up, you know, got going. It takes a minute. It took me a while because it was my boss. It was somebody that was over me on a daily basis. And it's like, who else can I go to without stepping the boundaries of a boss? So at that point, I had to find ways to almost limit my exposure to that person, but still be effective at my work. And then at that point, we had... uh, another boss that kind of came in, I did assessment and I had to just break down and say, you know what, it's not going to be beneficial for me to work here because this situation. And when they heard that, they were like, well, we don't want to lose you as an employee. What can we do to keep you? When I kind of told them what was going on, I didn't point fingers because I knew it was going to be repercussion back on me if I pointed fingers. It's always that way. 
It's always that way. So I'm like, before <laughs> I make myself get stuck in a trick bag, let me explain myself. Once I did that, it put me in a better position, not only to move, but it made me feel like my voice was heard because I was scared. I didn't know what they were going to say. They could have said, you guys deal with it and work it out. But the power came is when I came home and I kept crying, like, I can't keep doing this. I can't have this person that if I was on the street, we would definitely have the heads. You know what I'm saying? We would definitely be in a battle of you won't be talking to me crazy, but to be in a business setting, I know I couldn't do that. So I had to change the narrative and say, you know what? This is too much stress on my life. I can't keep doing this. I have to remove myself from it. And that's what I did. And like I said, it didn't happen overnight. It took months before it started to really happen, but it took months of me being sick and tired of the situation happening. Did you like, um, I know they tell us as teachers to do this, always create a paper trail. Like um, every time something happens, always write it down, make sure it's dated and time. Okay. Yes, I know that helps. Believe me, if I didn't, so it's like I had to create a paper trail. And what was so neat about it, even during that time, other people were recognizing what that person was doing. So when I have my paper trail, then they start going to the other people that I work with and kind of to get their notes without saying what I was going through. They just wanted to kind of give an assessment and some of the same lineage was being said amongst them. So the paper trail definitely helped because without it, I think it would have been more he said, she said. So you mentioned before that you were in a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. How did you know when enough was enough? Like what was your breaking point? that you were finally like, I got to go. Cause you, like you said, you stayed for seven years. Did you have that breaking point at five years? And you were like, okay, no, let me, let me see if I could work it out. Like when did that final, final breaking point come where you were like, I got to go. I want to say it's probably, and I'm going to just like, so this is, we being candid. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's probably in my six and a half year, because for the first three or four years, I was really trying to make it work. Okay. My parents have been married for over 40 years. So I knew what long-term relationship looked like. So I thought I could make somebody be a man when they wasn't ready to be a man. Mm. So I kept trying to put the effort in, make it work. But by the sixth year, it seemed like things really got worse and it got physical to the point that we're now in 7-Eleven at the grocery store and he's like snatching me up. He's like kicking my tires, tearing up my car. So then I'm like, okay, this guy's getting really crazy. He's willing to to take me off the road, literally get in the car and start driving erratically. That's when I know I'm like, this is enough. He's, he's unstable. So once I finally seen that, I was like, you know what? I gotta go because if not, he either he's going to kill me or I'm going to end up killing myself. So that when I got to that point where I thought leaving would be easier, I knew enough was enough. So you touched on it before about there being all different types of toxic relationships, but do Uh you feel like there are differences in between like how we identify the toxicity in like a familial relationship versus a friendship versus a romantic relationship versus a work relationship or is toxic just toxic? You know, I think it's different for me for everybody because it depends on where you spend your time. If it's someone that you're in love with, uh, someone maybe you were born with, that toxic becomes real personal because if you... Say like if you have a sibling that's toxic, you've been with that sibling all your life. You've built that relationship. So through thinking then, that's still your sibling. Whereas work, you may be in a toxic environment, but you know, at the end of the day, you quit that job, you ain't gonna see them no more. So you like, mm, peace, deuces, I'm out. You know, But yep. when, you, when it's someone that's in your family or even a person that you're looking to build a relationship and you start to realize that it is a little bit harder to recognize because you don't wanna see the bad in somebody. You know, you're thinking, well, is it me that brings out 
that person or is they're going through a bad day. So you try to make excuses on why they're doing it. But in all actuality, in all actuality, that's just that person. Something about that person is just not right. But it is harder when it's someone that's in your family or someone you're in a relationship because you are trying to make something work that in, in, in hindsight, it's, it's family. I mean, that, that's your sibling. You're supposed to make it work or that's your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're supposed to make it work, but it's, it's harder when it is someone that you really associate or love. See, and so you kind of touched on the next question I was going to ask you, where I kind of ask you to rank like which relationships, which toxic relationships are easier for you to let go or leave when it comes to family, friends, or romantic relationship. And when I was thinking of this question, I was kind of trying to rank in my head, like what mine would be and why. <laughs> Right. But I'm curious, like if you had to rank your friendships, your family relationships and your romantic relationships, easiest being number one of letting go of toxicity, which how would you rank them? Uh, number one easy would probably be friends. Me too. Uh, <laughs> that might be <laughs> Two would be a relationship and three family, because like I said, family is your blood. You know, if it's someone you grew up with or who you've been with all your life, it's hard to do it. If it's a relationship and you only guys met for a few years you know, things didn't work out. Hey, I'm sorry. And then your friendships. Yeah, we, we love our friends like our family, but sometimes the, the emotional attachment is not the same as your family. So sometimes it's a little bit of let, let someone go that you're friends with than it is your family. Wow. Okay. So I guess I looked at it from a different perspective. So mm -hmm. friendship definitely was number one easiest for me to let go. My mm -hmm. therapist is so funny. She always tells me, she's like, you know how people live in the black and white, you live in the gray. Uh -huh. She always tells me that, like, you always hold out hope for people. And I, it's true to an extent, right? So mm -hmm. I hold out hope for friendships that actually were meaningful in my life. And we may just be in a period of where we're not talking. Mm -hmm. But I also am a subscriber to the idea that not everyone is supposed to be in your life forever. Right. Like some people are there for a reason and some people are there for a season. And, you know, yeah. so friendship, that's definitely number one for me. Mm -hmm. And family is actually number two for me because okay. I feel like I can distance myself. Right. But there's always like that obligatory of like, I have to be cordial because family is not going anywhere. Even mm -hmm. though I know you don't treat me the greatest, I have to be cordial with you in some way. But in my mind, in my space, in my safe haven, I'm right. with you. Right, right. So that's why family is number two for me. Okay. And then number three, I think is romantic because I think it has a lot to do with how I just move in life. I'm very, very hard on myself. Mm. So with my romantic relationships, I feel like I made that choice and every choice I make impacts my life. And so I'm the type of person I'm going to fight, fight, fight for something. And so yeah. like, there's no possibility because like you, like my parents have been married for, what are we going on? 30, three years they've been together for 35 years so uh -huh. I've seen the longevity I know that relationships have ups and downs so I think that's why romantic is the hardest for me to let go because everyone uh -huh. in my family I see them fight yeah like, not in a bad way but like fight for what they've built right uh, I see that okay okay so, I don't like know we got two different things okay yeah that's how I was so curious I'm like I wonder yeah. how she feels about this <laughs> <laughs> Have two different perspectives, but th but that's good. Like I said, that's where our relationship is and how we move. I mean, that there's never a right or wrong answer as long as you know when you recognize the signs. No matter if it's friends, relationships, or family, you got to recognize the signs and know when is when. So this is not one of the questions I wrote down, but it just sparked my uh, mind when you said friends. How do you navigate 
leaving or distancing yourself from a friendship you know is no longer serving you, but you are a part of a whole friend group, but you just are not friends with that person anymore. Or you're trying not to be that because that they're the type of person he or she feels like they're not wrong in the situation, but you, you just like, you know what, this is no longer serving me. It's not benefiting me, but you have to see them at almost every event to the point that it makes you want to be like, I don't want to go because I just don't want that negative interaction. How do you right. navigate that? Usually with that one, it's, it's tough because you're right. When you kind of fall out with somebody, you don't want to deal with that person. But then you have the other friends that say, hey, come on, just, just do it for us. It's just one time. And you're like, no. But then at the same time. What if the other friends don't know? If they don't know, well, that's a good one. Yeah. So like, if, so like, let's say I've, I'm in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where I no longer want this person in my life, but I'm also not that friend that goes around and is like, oh, I'm not feeling her no more. Like I have not said anything, spoken bad about her to anyone else in the friend group. So right. when I don't show up to things, they're like, whoa, why are you not coming? But in my right. mind, I'm just trying to protect my peace. Yes, yes. Oh, so no, I don't, so that way, how does one navigate hard. that? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be hard. Because it's like, if you, if the other ones, uh, your other friends don't know, but you're trying to protect your peace. I think for me, I would still distance myself from that person. You know, even when they, it's time to come around and we are in a group setting, I, they will notice me not speaking to that person. You know, I'm gonna be cordial. I'm not gonna be, hey, fake, and then rub up in your face. I'll be polite, say hello, but then you're over here and I'm over here. I can make it cordial so it's not uncomfortable for everybody else. If they don't know, understandably, I will make sure that, you know, I'm very professional with it because we are here to have a good time. Despite what man that person is going through, you guys are still my friends. And just because we have a disconnect here, that doesn't stop me from loving you guys and wanting to be around you guys. So I, I'll make it real PC when I get around another person. But if it gets to the point where it is really disturbing, I will have to tell my friends, you know, hey, we've all became friends, but this relationship has become strained. And for me and my peace, I can't do it. But I don't want you guys to stop hanging on that person. I'm just letting you know, if you see less of me when we're together, this is the reason why. Right, because... I've come to realize just because I have this experience with that person, they may not have that experience with everyone else. Right. And that's totally okay. That is. But then don't condemn me for my decisions because you have not lived my experience with that person. Right. And that's the voice you have to have. Once you recognize your voice, regardless of toxic or anything else, you have to know your voice. When you say no, no means no. You know, don't let someone else make you feel differently because of what they said. Be strong in yourself. Know your self-worth. Know your self-esteem that, hey, no matter, you may say, okay, something else, but I know in my heart, this is what I stand for. And I know me and so-and-so don't get along. I understand you. I love them, but this is where I stand. And this is where I will continue to stand. Now, if we want to be friends, you understand that. If not, well, you can be the second person on this list over here. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's that simple, but know your voice though. That's the main point. Know your voice and stand to your truth. So this also just popped in my head. It's something else I didn't write down, mm-hmm. but I'm curious. Um, Cause I think about it often, you know, not growing up with like the best relationships in terms of like family. I have like family that I love, but mm-hmm. that doesn't also, just because a relationship isn't toxic doesn't mean a parent was always present. Right. So have you ever encountered that? where you have to, 
where you still want to show love for your parent, but you don't have the best relationship with your parent. And then it may turn into a toxic cycle. Well, I guess for me, I can't answer that one correctly because both my parents, I have great relationships with. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, it would be hard, but I can talk about my daughter. Um, since me and her dad wasn't together, that was one thing she always would say to me, you know, even though I knew he was toxic, I still had to let her see it for herself. Cause yeah, as long yeah. as I try to hold her from him, she resented me more. So it's like, I had to let her see it for herself. And then one time she's like, well, mom, you don't know what it's like because your parents are together. Mine's are not, but she still yearned to be with him, even though he wasn't in the home and he was hardly even there for her. She still had that yearning to be with him, regardless of what was going on. But as she got older, she started to see it for herself. So when she started to see it, did that allow me to continue to back up? Because it's like, okay, as long as she sees it, she's not resenting me for saying, no, you can't see him. And then she was sneaking away to go see him. She's seen it for herself. So it's just her eyes open for her when it happened. Did you like hurt when her eyes are finally open? Because I have a few friends in the similar situation. I've always like been astonished, I guess, at that phenomenon where mm -hmm. the mom or the single dad is there doing everything, but the kid yearns for the absent parent. Yeah. Yeah, that that at many times that would hurt my feelings because I was like, I'm the one that's working the two jobs. I'm the one that's doing this and that. And when she was like, I just want to be with my dad. And I'm like, what? Do you know what I just did? You know what, you know, all the things <laughs> I've just been through. But it even still hurt me that when she still chose to, you know, want him and be around him, my mom said, well, you have to let her see it for herself. She doesn't know what she's missing because she doesn't know. But as yeah. long as you hold her from it, she's always going to yearn for that thing. It's like anything that you, someone tries to hold you from, you want to see what's on the other side of that. You want to see curiosity. Yeah. That curiosity just gets you like, no, but I got to see for myself. You know, I got to see. So allowing her to see it. Yeah. It, it hurt my heart to the core when she was like, but this is what I want to do. But it's like, I got to let her see it though. You know, I know, I'm a, I know I'm a great parent, but for her, she's not seeing me struggle and doing the two or three jobs and everything that I do for her. She's just seeing that she's missing her dad. How did you help her navigate that? Like, and was there ever any fear that you experienced? Like, you know, he hit me, like, is he going to take his anger out of my daughter? Like, did you ever experience that while she was trying to, you know, see what was up with her dad? You know, I was very leery at the, at the time because I didn't know how he was going to react to her. So when I, when she would be in situations, it would have to be like at a third party when he would have to see her. So that made me feel a little bit better, but it was to the point that even then, even at the third party, he still acted a fool. So she was still that much more distraught. She was still crying. So it's like, what can I do? And it got to the point where I just took her and I didn't tell him where she was at. I made it, I made up that I was at a different school district, all this other stuff to only be around the corner from him. And that happened by circumstance. His mom happened to live a few blocks from me, but he had gotten an accident where he had to go stay with his mom. So all this time when I was trying to hide my daughter from him, he ends up moving a couple of houses down. And Did I don't know ever how- ever figure she, it out? Yeah, he figured oh, it out. man. So somehow she figured it out and was over there. And I'm like, where are you at? She goes, I'm over grandma's house. And guess who's here? And I was like, so at that moment, everything got exposed, but at, you know, I did have to remove her from that situation. You know, I had to remove her. I had to put her in therapy because it got to the point she's seen so much by the age of seven. It's like, this is not healthy for her. 
this is not like it was toxic for me being in it but at the time I never thought how my daughter was reacting to the same thing so I definitely had to get her therapy and I had to put her in, in scenarios that she was able to trust again because she was a little bit leery you know my mom and dad's gonna fight her they don't get along every other relationship that I built it's not going to be strong either so I had to get her in that space where she had to retrain her mind to want to build again and love again despite what we were going through have you two ever done counseling, a counseling session together? We've, we've done two, but they wanted to first start off with her because they figured since she probably held it most, held it in the most, they wanted to break down what was going on and then help her rebuild back up. And when they got to a space where they felt comfortable that she was ready to talk, then they brought me in, but they wanted to make sure that I didn't have the attack mode on her while she was in her healing process. Like, no, that's not what happened. Or you didn't see that. They wanted to be with her first and be intimate and build her back up before we came together. And once we had our sessions, then they felt she was strong enough. They brought her dad in. And I was like, for what? You know, why does he, <laughs> you know, I'm like, why does he this? Like, well, no, for her healing to be complete, she wanted all to come. So he had to come. So of course it was real inconvenient because we were all in there, but it wasn't about me at that time. It was about her. So she had some things that she wanted to tell him. She written a letter to him and had some frustrations that if I would have said it, I was the angry baby mama. But if she was saying it, it was coming from her truth and her heart. So it was beneficial for all of us to be there at the same time. That is so powerful. How old was she like during this process? She had to be nine. I wish, I wish. Because my parents, I love them. But a lot of, I think, a lot of what parents go through, they don't realize how much the kids are exposed to. Yeah. And although my father was there physically, he was mm -hmm. always working and stuff like that. And so like, we just always didn't have the best like emotional relationship or mm -hmm. connection. Like I always felt like he wasn't there for me or would like yell at me about like the littlest thing. And I'm like, well, why mm -hmm. is this a big deal? Or, and it wasn't until I got to college where I had to do this paper about communication and it was it was for English class. So uh -huh. it's like all about metaphors and I use like a roller coaster or whatever. And I was so proud of that paper. I just showed my mom just not about the contents of the paper, right. but just the fact that I was like, oh my God, this is like the first college paper I wrote that I'm super proud of. And little did I know, she took the contents and she gave the paper to my father to read. Oh. Without telling me. Uh-huh. And so when she finally told me, I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, uh -huh. I don't know how he's going to react. Like, I've always kept these feelings to myself or like people, older people that I confided in that were not him. Right. And even when he called me after reading it, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to answer this phone. I'm like <laughs> shaking the whole time. Right, right. And he just was like, I want you to know that like, I love you. And it was in that moment where I had to be honest. And it was like, I know that you love me, but it feels like an obligatory love just because mm -hmm. like, I'm your child. Like, I don't feel the love from you. Like mm -hmm. the side hug, like, it's just, I feel like, okay, I have to hug you because you're my dad type of thing. Right, right. It wasn't like, like now our relationship's so much better because I've been through therapy and everything. Work, work through issues I realized weren't even there. Mm -hmm. And our, our relationship is so much closer. And then just when my grandmother passed away, his mom, um, a year ago, we got mm -hmm. even closer because uh -huh. he, I, when, so my dad is the only one left pretty much. Okay. He, my, my grandparents adopted a younger son, but he's in California. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in six, when I was five, my grandfather died the day before my birthday. Mm -hmm. And then 
my aunt died when I was in sixth grade, which is my dad's only uh, sibling besides my uncle who they adopted, but he's closer to my age. And so when my grandma passed away, so my, everything's falling on my dad. And so I stepped up and I was like, whatever you need, like I'm helped, like I helped clean as painful it was as it was. I helped clean out my grandma's house, like whatever my dad needed. I tried to jump through hoops to get there. And in us cleaning her house, we were just having a lot of like intimate conversations and just getting closer. And in a moment where like, let's say I'm going through a hardship in a romantic relationship, I found myself picking up the phone to call my dad, which is something I would never do. And for me, that was like the turning point of like, man, our relationship is really, really like it's grown. It's not where it used to be. Right. But I just want to see like I I loved even though it was so hard for you, I love how you were able to put your daughter first and be in that situation with Mm -hmm. your ex. And I I would love to see that in more black families. Like I think our families would benefit from it so much. But like you said, I think everyone needs to go to individual counseling first with the same therapist too, so right. that it, no one feels like there's a bias going on right, and then right. come together so that no one is on attack mode. Right, exactly. Because that's yes. that's exactly what I feel is going to happen if my family goes to therapy. <laughs> oh my God, like, I feel like I'm going to be like, well, I really don't like when you say this and it's going to be like, rah, 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 like, I just feel like this going to happen. Right. And we shouldn't feel like that. And you're right. Like what it is in the black and maybe brown community, we do feel like a child is not meant to be hurt. So they have, children have value concerns, valuable concerns that they try to express to us, but we are not trained to identify that and help them along the way. It's so easy to say, go back in the room or that's not it, or you're just tripping. But in all actuality, they do have a voice and a voice that needs to be heard because I believe that a lot of our a lot of things that go in our in our culture is shut behind the door, you know, being molested, you know, especially if it's someone in the family swept under the rug, you know, abuse swept up in a rug, alcoholism under rug, drug abuse, all that's being swept up under the rug when it should be brought to the forefront for everyone to help, not just deal with, but help. Yeah. I think a lot of healing can come from the support of others instead of doing it alone. And I think that's why my healing took so long because I try to do it by myself. But if I would have had the healing or the support of my family, I think I would have got through it a lot faster. And plus, if I would have said something during the seven year period, I don't think I would have stayed as long if I told somebody I was going through it. But like I said, I was trying to make something work that wasn't there. So if if our community is more open about one going to therapy, but willing to help you without judging you, it would make it easier for our younger generation to come to us when they have problems with self-esteem, um, being raped or molested or being questioned or even their own sexuality. They would feel comfortable coming to you when they know that they can trust you and you won't belittle them, make fun of them or make them feel less than if it's a community effort and we work together to help each other. So question, mm-hmm. I feel like I am that person for the younger generation of people in my family. And as a teacher, I serve in that role. Uh I have people in my family that aren't judgmental, have my back no matter what. And I still am cautious with what I tell them. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's because, well, I kind of know it's it's me being protective of my relationship because just because we're going through something in a season, we may work through it. And I don't necessarily want, my family to treat that person differently right like because even if they they won't treat 
him differently, right? Whoever mm-hmm. I'm dating, I've always had this issue when dating. I, I'm like, keep everything to myself right? for the most part. Um, but I, I, they don't treat that person differently to their face, but my, my family definitely doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. Like it's always going to be in the back of their brains. And I'm like, I just want everyone to just love. Like, right, that's, right. Not how, that's not how family works. So like, we love you and we love him. But at the end of the day, you're ours. It's, it's conditional. Yeah. It's a conditional love. And it is a tough spot because we all, like you said, we all want to love and share our love with other people. But when it comes to relationship, you get in a small fight, a misunderstanding, and you think you can go to somebody and say what's going on. Now you open the door for them to look at that person different, where you just maybe might have been venting. You know, it was nothing for you to pick up. I was just venting, just wanted to say something. They received it, but now they're looking at that person different. So that relationship, like me being married, I'm very cautious about what I talk about in my marriage because I don't want what goes on here to be perceived different out there. Because like you said, it it could have been a disagreement. It could have been something that was on my mind and I wanted to say. But once I've told you that, now you're like, "Mm, hmm, right. So so you do, there are certain things that you do have to guard. And, and, And it is your choice to guard that because you know how your family will react once that door is open. So it's, I guess for me, it's, it's, I think my marriage is more sacred than anything else, but um, any other relationship, you know, I think I know different parts of my family that I can share the information with. So I know who's really going to give me true advice and whatever, whatever I tell them, they will give me their honest answer. But then I know those that will just want to hear what's going on so they can make a judgment call and be like, see, I told you. Exactly. I knew it was going to be like that. Da, da, da. So yeah, you, you just got to recognize who you can trust, but there are some things that you do have to hold sacred to yourself because no matter what you say, good or bad, they're going to hit their information and go whatever way they will with it. So exactly. I try to make it a clean judgment when we meet It's very cordial, da, da, da. but what goes on here or what I go through, I don't express. And that's why I like therapists because it is an unbiased person that doesn't know anyone else in your family and you can be transparent without worrying about somebody judging you and wonder if they're going to come back and look at your significant other, whoever differently. So exactly. Yeah. Like I wish I would have, I mean, everything happens when it's supposed to happen, but mm-hmm. I wish I would have started therapy so much sooner because I had that mentality in college. And so I had a college, uh, sweetheart, we were mm-hmm. together all throughout college, saw our lives together. And then you just, you just grow apart. our communication we we were in college we weren't communicating effectively so Mm -hmm. I felt very taken for granted and he felt like I became a yes man because I stopped speaking up about things but Mm. it just so it just became cyclical and it turned into this like whole blow up on new year's and I never told anyone we broke up so I was just like severely depressed because every time somebody would like mention him or ask about him I felt like it was just like a knife they just were turning in the wound I'm just like I don't know. He's okay. Or like, oh, he's fine. Like lying because I'm like, right. work it out and get back together. There's that mentality. Like, I don't yep. want y'all to think that like, it was this big deal. Like we worked through this little petty communication issue or whatever. Right. Now we're like friends way better off as friends, but mm-hmm. we had to like, we had to realize we were growing into two different people. And that took a lot of just growing individually. Mm, yes. But like my family thought I was just like not doing what I was supposed to be doing in school, at work, like, (laughs) but like they didn't recognize that I was just depressed, but it's Mm -hmm. because I also didn't speak up about what was going on. Right, right. 
And that's the thing. As, as human beings, we do that. We try to keep things that are for us guarded because we don't know how other people react, let alone when we're dealing with something. We don't even know what we're doing. We just went through a, a hurt. We went through a brokenness that we're still trying to process ourselves. So before we go out and make ourselves vulnerable to the world, we still guard ourselves because we don't know what the next thing will be. So it's so easy to keep what's yours sacred, even though you think you're doing okay, everyone else around you noticed something is different, but you're doing the best you can with what you have, trying to keep yourself protected because that's all you got. You yourself are the longest relationship you will ever be in. No matter who you're with, you're with yourself from day one to the day you die. So of course, you know you better than anybody else. You know how to protect yourself. You know how to allow people to be in your space, but you know you. So you know what you need to either shut down or to, to reinvent or to transition. It all begins with you. So I understand you're talking about when you had to just kind of hold that thought while you were going through your deal. So man, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, do you think you've ever been the toxic party in a relationship? You know, I'm be honest with you. I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I had, wait, so when I wrote the question, I had the same reaction. I'm like, I wonder if she's aware. Because like, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, I can't be in someone else's brain. And right. with all my intention, I never know how my intention is taken or perceived by someone else. Mm -hmm. That's And you don't know. It's like, it's never a question you think about anybody saying to you. But you know what you don't like about a toxic relationship. So I guess when you recognize it, you're like, well, I'm not like that. But somebody may think what you do is toxic to them. So I guess since until someone brings it to your attention, I guess you don't know. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna say no. But if someone ever brought it to my attention, I think I would want to know so I could fix it. I mean, that would be my honest answer. But to my knowledge, no. I feel the same way, right? But then, you know, I'm always in my head playing devil's advocate <laughs> back and forth. You know how they say, when you don't like something in someone else, it's because it's a quality that you don't like in your, yeah. yeah. So then they had me thinking, I'm like, well, if I could recognize toxicity in someone else, what about me is toxic? And right, I'm like, right. all right, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just going to, you know, if I, if someone ever, if I make someone feel like I'm toxic, I like you, I would hope that they would point that out to me. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Like you're right. When it is, you think it's a reflection because I'm, I'm a thinker. So by nature, it's like when I get a little piece of information, my mind just goes with it. And it's like, but what if, but what if, but what man, if I was man, a man, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, well, It could have been me. Like even my relationship, my the abusive relationship. I'm like, but what did I do? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do have to do that. Cause sometimes you may not be the main reason why it happened, but what did I have to add to it? You know, why did I stay so long? I could have removed myself a lot sooner that didn't add on to it. So sometimes I do have to do some self-reflection among myself to see some of the things that I did, because for me, I was in flight or flight mode. So I said things, I did things to him to get him away from me, which probably made things worse and triggered worse things. But like I said, I, the things that you see, I just know I don't like it. So if it's toxic and, and if I'm doing it, please let me know. Hey, I don't like what you're doing because I definitely want to fix it, <laughs> but I don't want to be toxic. So. so nowadays, I feel like the word toxic is just like thrown around. Do you feel like it's uh -huh. being overused or mm -hmm. misused? Yeah. Overly used. It's like everything else that's out there. It's like, what is another word for toxic? And for me, sometimes I, I have to break it down because, mm -hmm. yeah, toxic might be the umbrella, but let's go up under umbrella and and pick pick out the things that's really toxic. Because toxic for someone could be someone smothers me. 
They want too much of my time. That's their toxic where somebody else like, oh, I love when he's just always to my attentive. So, you know, toxic is different for everybody. So it's just instead of using the big word toxic, yes, I recognize the word, but let me dig a little deeper. And what do I mean? What is, what is bothering me? What's toxic to me? What's defining the behaviors? Right. So let me know, let me figure that part and just not use that word all the time. Cause it may not be that word. It's just something inside of them is doing something that I don't agree. It could with. just be a trigger for you. Right. And you may not even know why. Exactly. And that goes back to healing. If you don't go to a therapist to get healed, no matter what relationship you're in, work, uh, business or home, that trigger is going to happen anywhere. So until you figure out that part, everybody's not going to be toxic at work, at school, at home. That's something triggering you inside that you need to identify and work that out and really see, is it really something that's toxic along? Or maybe I am the toxic person. If I am noticing at work, school and home, well, maybe I'm the toxic one, you know. So, all right. When you're in a toxic relationship, mm-hmm. I feel like love keeps us holding on and wanting to make this situation better, as we talked about before, yes. hoping it'll get better. Mm-hmm. When do you decide that person like has exhausted all of their chances? Like I use the the image all the time when I'm discussing it with my students or like just in conversation. It's mm-hmm. like being in a boxing ring and you feel like you get knocked out constantly. Yeah. When do you make the decision to just, all right, I'm not going to get up again? Because in your mind, you're like, I'm just going to get knocked back down. So what's the point? Like, when is love not enough? And you just feel like, okay, like my guy, my girl, you've used all your chances. Like, I'm right, right. And that's the one thing about love. I think all of us as human beings, we yearn to be love or to love. So sometimes that can be a blinder and you allow things to go on longer than they should. Where if it's just something that's just, uh, platonic or maybe business is easy to recognize after three rounds I'm through you know after you knock me down three times I'm out Mm -hmm. but sometimes love allows you to be blinded where you'll go to the 11th round to the 12th round you matter of fact you at the last round waiting to see who won the fight you know what I'm saying that's how far you will go and sometimes that can be so hard because in your heart like me I'm a person that loves I love so hard and I try to see the best in everybody no matter what the situation or the race the sexuality I try to see the best in every, everyone. And sometimes that does cloud my judgment because I want to see the best. So I'm willing to fight until that person shows me differently. So sometimes that's what happens. I think I'm that person that goes to around 11, round 12. I'm really trying to exhaust all things to make sure what I'm seeing is what I'm seeing. And sometimes you just get blinded by hoping that love outweighs it all. We are very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> I am that round 11, round 12, like, okay, they, they doing the scorecards. I'm still like, you sure? Right, right. Wait, wait a minute. Let me add that up. You sure? Because I, yeah, that's how I am. Okay. Well, nice mm-hmm. to know that I'm not alone in that. Right. You're not. <laughs> whether, whether or not it's a healthy quality or not, it's just who I am. And I recognize yes. that about myself. But mm-hmm. it's also what helps me have stick to in most things that I go after in life. Oh, yes. I feel like that's the same quality. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It does. It just like it's almost that assurance. If you know that part of it, you know, every time you make your decision, you know how far you go or how far you will find out about that situation. So you know that about you, just like I do, you know that I know I can go a little bit further to see if this is going to happen or not. And for some people, they're like, oh, that is stupid. Why would she go that far? But that's just who I am. You know, everyone's until- threshold is different. Everybody's yeah, everybody's different. But I give people the opportunity to prove me wrong, whether it's too long or not. 
like I said, I want to see the best in people. I really believe that we have people out there that are genuinely good people. And sometimes you just been dealt a bad hand and that's how you respond to what you're going through. If you get that person that can see through you, that believes in you, that wants to get you to the next level, then you may change it to something else that no one else thought you would ever be because that one person believed in you. And I think that's where I am. And that's why I love mentoring young girls and just mentoring in general. I want you to see the best of who you are, despite what the world or your family or your job says you're not. Let me see who you are. And that's why I give you chance after chance. And that's why my podcast is a second chance at life, because I believe you might have messed up. You might have fell off, but you always have the opportunity to do life over again and better the second time around when you realize what you did wrong. Because if no one tells you what you did wrong, you're going to keep doing it. But if someone takes the genuine time to say, hey, slow down. The reason why this happens because you do this to people, the reason why this has happened because you haven't healed. You're giving someone that opportunity to show who you are. They got the mirror in front of you. They're showing you, look at this, look who you are. And you're like, wow, no one's never showed me, me for me. So I've always been defensive. I've always been combative because no one told me what was going on with me. But you're now telling me that you you like me despite all that. And you're willing to help me get to that next level so I can become a better person. So that's where I come from my space. I just love seeing the best in people. And I feel like I'm the same way. And a lot of people in my life may say like, well, why are you staying? Or what do you, which kind of leads me to my next question. But it's the fact that how can I expect someone to be at my level when I've been exposed to different things? I've been doing the work. I have tools, but they don't. I can't expect them to meet me at my level when they've never been exposed to the same thing. They don't know how to do the same work. It's different if I start to tell you and you're like, I'm not doing that. That's very, very different. If you've never been exposed to it and you've never had a mirror held up to you, like in my relationship, I'm a mirror every single day for my partner. Mm -hmm. I feel like no one in his life has ever been a mirror for him. Mm. So there's been a lot of growth in us, a lot of push and pull. And although I had started therapy before I met him, years before I met him, I had my own stuff to work through. Right. I found that I still grew like from him. Right. Because just as I'm his mirror, he's mine. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I didn't realize that I, that were about me that I didn't like, like learned behaviors from my parents Mm -hmm. that it takes to be with a certain person to pull those out of you. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, And you're so right on that. Um, I was thinking about a, it was a story that I heard the other day. God, I, sometimes my mind, I have so much information in my mind. I don't know how to tear it apart, but you're so right. When you give somebody the opportunity to grow, they will do just that. But as long as, and I think that's why a lot of our young men feel like people give up on them. No one wants to take the time to tell them they're doing wrong in the streets. No one wants to tell them they're doing wrong at school. It's so easy to let them do what they want to do. Then they get out here do what they want to do. Now you want to control them. Now you want to get help. Now you want to call the police. Now you want to put them in prisons where we could have been working on them in the beginning when they were looking and yearning for that help and that mentorship in the beginning. Now that they're grown, they're not trying to hear it. It's, it's a oh. lot. It's a lot harder to hear when you're 38 what to do than when you're eight. Yes. So you take somebody that's with a young, fresh mind. Yeah, they may get some bumps and bruises. They're going to grow through life, but their mind is so open and receptive of whatever you have to say, positive or negative. So we got to be careful, even in our youth, how we speak to them, because what we say does dictate how they grow up and to be. And then now you got that man that because his mom didn't speak to him right now, he's not talking to you right. And you're like, what's going on? 
with you. You ain't got no home training, but you don't know what he's been through. You don't know what his mom said to him because his dad left him. So now he was the punching bag for her. You know what I'm saying? So you just never know what people come from. Yep, and that's yep. why I think I'm, I, I try not to be judgmental because I didn't know you when you were a kid. So I don't know what you've been through, seen, had to fight to get to an adult. So it's easier to say, oh, well, that person is like that. But what if they wasn't? What if someone took the time and talked to them and helped them and showed them another path? Would they be different? And I had, a, I think a girlfriend of mine was like, oh, my ex-boyfriend got married to somebody. She has the best of them now. But what she doesn't understand, well, she may, but guess what? During you guys' fighting process, he heard you, what you said, what you didn't like. and what It you just didn't. took him a little while to implement it. So he was listening that, the whole time. He's listening, yeah, he heard it. But now that next woman has now got that version of him that you were building up or you were talking to, she now has that version. So she was very mad. Like, I don't understand why she has the better version of him. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's how it works. That would cause me you. to do some introspection, right? Because I've been there like, man, all my exes, they're happy, they're married, having kids. And it's like, well, why I'm still here? But who am I choosing as a partner? Right. Am I looking for someone that I need to help build up? That's on me. It's who you're Right. That's exactly it. It's, and then I think once we start to get deeper in who we attract, we look inward. What are we attracting? Are we attracting brokenness? Are we attracting low self-esteem? What are we attracting for that person to be like, you know what? Bingo. There she's, there she is. It's like, you do have to look within yourself to see who you bring, who you attract. Cause if it's the same common denominator, you always bring in the, the well something you is saying hey here i am or if you always bring the person that's a little psychotic well something you is saying hey here i am so you got to be careful and look within before you just assume that it's that person maybe something you're throwing off is what you're catching exactly all right why do you think people stay like do you think people are operating on fear like fear they don't deserve better or fear there isn't anything better out there besides their current situation I don't speak for myself. I would say it was fear. I would say it was love. I would say low self-esteem. I just didn't know no better because mm -hmm. with anything you can control a person with fear. So when mm -hmm. you say, you know, those trigger words, that person's not going to go anywhere physically or mentally because of fear of. So that's one reason people stay love. When you love wholeheartedly and you really try to make things out, you will do, you will go well beyond to make something work to stay. So love is another factor. And three, you don't know any better. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You don't know you can leave that unless someone shows you an open door. You know, if you're afraid to walk through something, why is that? It's because no one showed me that I could. So until someone really sits down and tells you those things, you just know what you know. So that's for me, fear, love, and what you don't know. I love that. That was like the perfect answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you have any parting words or takeaways you'd like to share with the listeners? Yes. Understand anytime you go through something that we are now saying the big word toxic, anytime you go through something that's uncomfortable, something that you don't like, give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to beat yourself up because you now recognize you got yourself into something or you in, you're in something that you don't want to be in. Give yourself grace and take a step back and breathe and realize, okay, I'm in a situation that I know I need to get out of. How do I get out of it? And work from there, take the necessary, necessary steps you need to get out. Plus have a support system. 
don't deal with anything alone. I, I know it's so easy to want to turn inward with yourself, but the best help and medicine, I believe, is getting a support system, therapist, support group, family members or friends that you know have your best interests, but they will definitely allow you to see things that you can't see because during this time, you're in a flight or fight mode and you don't see what's going on around you where someone can just simply just grab your hand and it's smoke everywhere. But as long as you can just close your eyes and trust that whoever's bringing you through the smoke is going to bring you through, you will be okay. But don't do it alone. Cause that's, I think that's what took me so long to learn my journey. I thought I could do it myself and I couldn't, but give yourself grace. Don't do it alone. And just understand that this is a life lesson that you will learn. And it's not a personal attack on you. I think God brings us through things for us to become stronger. And sometimes the lesson wasn't even for us. It's for us to have a testimony to tell somebody else that may be two or three steps behind us looking at you to see how you make it through. So don't take it as personal, a life lesson that you will get through. And anytime you feel like you can, definitely reach out to somebody to get you some uh, additional help and support. Never do it alone. Wow. So that was amazing. This conversation was amazing. I can't thank you enough for uh, being on this episode. I thank you. Thank enjoyed you. It. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I love you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, where can the listeners find you if they want to follow you anywhere or check out your podcast? Let them know. Yes, you can definitely uh, find me. Season four of A Second Chance at Live starts April 4th uh, of this year. I'm actually doing a pain over purpose series where I'm going to go over the next four to five months just talking about pain and what our purpose is after the pain. So I have different topics like how to bounce back from setbacks, uh, love your life, not theirs, and because I'm worth it. So make sure you check me out if you're looking to go on a journey. I'll be doing that uh, April 4th. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm really big on Instagram. I don't know why. I think I me just do. I feel like most people use Instagram. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I'm like TikTok, Instagram. I'm kind of just a fast moving, but um, our Villa Beckworth, I'm there. Um, I usually do a lot of tips on uh, just being organized and getting your life together. Sometimes, like I said earlier, what you don't know, you don't know. So you keep repeating the same habits. So I teach women how to um, get out of their own way and build better habits so they can live the life that they love. So you can find me there. And my website is www.arvillabeckworth.com. And I'm just there for resources. If you want to do a one-on-one, I'll also offer a free 15-minute clarity call if you just want to brainstorm. Sometimes you just get stuck in your head and you just need someone to help you work things out. That's what I'm here for too. So, Oh, you heard it, guys. Check her out and check us out next week. Thank you again, Arvilla. Thank you. Have a great week, you guys. Wow, wow, wow. How awesome was the conversation with Arvella? She's such a powerhouse. I really would like you guys to check out her podcast. It's amazing. She drops so many gems and you hear from some amazing women that she talks to. They have such great stories and you learn something from every episode, especially organization. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, you're in luck. Double dose of Arvella. Tune in next week. I was also on her podcast. Can't wait for you to hear it. As always, thank you for listening. You can follow me on Instagram at knowingnia. If you'd like to be on an episode or want to talk about a topic, send me a DM. I love to hear what you think. 
So please follow, rate, and review. Until next time, continue to live in your truth. Be love, be light, be you. Peace. Thank you.